Well, this morning we'll take a look at Exodus chapter 24. So please go ahead and open your Bibles up there. Exodus 24. We have seen that after God had given uh, to Moses and of course ultimately to the children of Israel the Ten Commandments in chapter 21, he then began in chapter, well we read about it in chapters 21, 22, and 23 where we see where God gave them a bunch of miscellaneous laws that would help them conduct their lives in an orderly manner. And we discussed some of those laws just a little bit in chapter 21, and I left it up to, to you all to uh, as some voluntary, voluntary homework assignments to read chapters 22 and 23 on your own um, to see some of the other miscellaneous laws that the Lord God had given to them as well. Now, remember, as I've said a couple times, as God gave them these laws, God was serious about this, okay? Um, from the Ten Commandments to um, the laws in the previous three chapters here that we've gone through, um, to all the other laws that will be added later, the Lord God expected their adherence to them and their very strict obedience to them. He wasn't just giving them some suggestions on how to live. He was giving them laws on how they needed to live. And as you read the Bible beginning with Genesis, you find that it's not very long um, when you read, start from Genesis, that is, you find it's not very long before God raises up a peculiar group of people. Now, by the word peculiar, I mean a group of people that belong exclusively to the Lord God, right? His special people, that is, a holy nation of people, a people that uh, we would come to know of as we've studied through the word here as the children of Israel or the Hebrews, right? The children of God. And God had a, pe you know, a peculiar plan for this pecu peculiar people. Um, these people that belonged exclusively to him. He wanted to govern them every step of their way through this world. Because ultimately God in his infinite wisdom had a grand plan to give many people the opportunity to become children of God, not just a select few. And we know today through the study of the entire Bible that it is His grand plan that God would ultimately raise up from this group of people a Messiah, Jesus the Christ, the Savior of the world. So today we know that whomsoever will call upon the name of the Lord, can be saved and can be governed by God as through repentance and through faith in Jesus Christ. They can be born of the Spirit and they can be led and governed through this life by the Holy Spirit of God. So the New Testament book of Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26 tells us that we are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So as we continue now to look at this peculiar people of the Old Testament, right, God's own special people, and how God deals with them, there are many things written here that we today, as born-again believers, those who profess a faith in Jesus Christ, even though we're not under the law, we can still learn from these things, right? Yes, of course, we have our civil laws today that are necessary for us to live in an orderly society. But as it pertains to who we are spiritually, 
who we are in the sight of God, our being governed by God, that is, we are now a people that come to God, not because of law, but because of His grace. And we come through faith, okay? No one today is made acceptable to God by keeping the law. It's through faith alone that we please God today. And that faith is specifically in Jesus Christ. A person today cannot be made righteous before God through strict adherence to any of these laws because the keeping of the law for righteousness' sake required the strictest of obedience. There was no room at all for error. If you're going to put yourself under the law, there's no room at all for error. The New Testament book of James chapter 2 and verse 10 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. So before we moved on and jumped on into chapter 24 here, I just wanted to remind you here again this morning that we are children of God today through faith in Jesus Christ alone. For by grace we are saved through faith. It is the gift of God that has brought us to salvation not the works of the flesh we do. And of course, once a person has been born of the Spirit of God, they will have then from within them the desire to do good works, thereby showing that they do not have a dead faith in the Lord God. Because James chapter 2 also tells us that faith without works is dead. Okay? So with all of that said, verse 1 beginning in verse 1 of chapter 24, it says, Now he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with him. Okay, so again, in chapters 20 through 23, God gave to Moses on top of Mount Sinai laws and ordinances that his people were to live obediently unto. Then here in verse 1 and 2, the Lord God tells Moses that when he comes back again up toward the top of Mount Sinai, he is to bring with him Aaron, Aaron's two sons, Nadab and Abihu, and also 70 elders of Israel. And they were to worship from afar, and it was to only be Moses that would be near to God and no one else, okay? And all the other people of Israel, the children of Israel, would stay down below. You see, under the law, there has to be a distance between God and man as a sinner. Sin separates us from a holy and all-powerful God. But Let's just take a brief few moments here. Let me just show you um, how um, that is not the case today, okay? That is, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we do not have to be distant from God today. Let's mark this page, and I want you to turn toward the back of your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Here we will see at least one difference between the law slash the covenant that God established with Moses and the grace that we are now under today. 
So Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10, and we'll start reading down in verse 16. It says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. So you see, today there are no more sacrifices, no more offerings that can be made to atone for the sin of mankind. There are no more works that can be done, no money that can be spent, to pay for the remission of man, of the sins of mankind. Therefore, verse 19 says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Okay, so pause briefly right there because here is where we see that we don't have to keep a separation between us and God as the people did under the law of Moses. Okay, because the blood that Jesus shed, so through faith in Him, we now have access to God. And verse 20 continues speaking of Jesus and says, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil, that is, His flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So today, a person can repent of their sin, come to faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, right? His death on the cross, the shedding of His blood has paved the way for us to draw near to God today. Under the law, again, they were separated from God. And under the law, people are still separated from God. But under grace, when a person comes by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, they can boldly come to the Lord. Okay? And then another step in that process when a person has made that commitment is they are baptized in Jesus Christ, right? And then... What do we do? Let's read on a little bit more here. Verse 23. So what do we do when a person comes there? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So more and more, right, we need to be gathering with other believers and stirring up one another to good works, exhorting one another to stay the course of faith, right? Now, 
for the sake of this morning's teachings, we'll stop here now and we'll flip back to Exodus chapter 24. But I do encourage you to read out the rest of chapter 10 there of Hebrews later. But the point I wanted to show you here is this morning is that under grace today, and because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we do not have to be separated from a relationship with God. And verse 3 of Exodus 24 continues and says, So Moses came and told the people all the, the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said, we will do. So we see here that Moses had descended down the mountain and delivered the law to the people. And they swore to obey. But of course, time will prove that they will not obey the law of God. And they will not be able to. Then verse 4 says, And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. So pause right there again, because we see here that this is another thing which Moses had taken some time to do. He not only spoke the words of the Lord to them, because that would be very easy to forget all that Moses said. So Moses took the time to write it all down. It's nice today that we have the written word of God as well, so that we too can know how we should live. And of course, we also have the written word of God in the New Testament, the the covenant that we are now under with God, so we too can know how He wants us to live our lives through faith in Him, right? And verse 4 continues speaking of Moses, and it says, And he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain, and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. Then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in basins, and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant, which is the Lord which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. Okay, so what we see taking place here is there is now the establishment of a covenant happening here at this moment. A covenant between two parties, if you will. God being one and the children of Israel being the other. The book of the covenant is the laws of God that Moses took the time to write down. So again, when you read through the Bible like this, you have to realize there's time passing by, right? In these verses, as we're reading them, we're thinking it's happening, boom, 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 just like this. But time is passing by in all of this, right? So there, but we see here there's been pillars set up representing the 12 tribes of Israel, and there has also been an altar set up. There has also been some oxen sacrificed, and the blood of those oxen is being used to seal the covenant between God and His children. Half of the blood was put into bowls, and half of the blood was put on the altar. Again, this covenant is between two. It's between God and His people. So the blood was evenly divided 
half and half. So as Moses takes half the blood and puts it on the altar, he then reads the book of the covenant to the people. They again agree to its words and profess that they will do what it says. Moses then takes the other half of the oxen blood that is in the bowls and he sprinkles it on the people. Okay, Now keep in mind what we recently read there in Hebrews this morning. That today we can, as a result of the shed blood of Jesus, the final sacrifice, we can now draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So again, today, through faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we come to God and we can have a relationship with God on a daily basis, okay, communing with God. And we do so when we do so, again, when a person comes there, they have that outward expression of their faith, which is their water baptism. We then begin to fellowship with other believers. This is what a person needs to do that comes to Christ. They be, like we read in Hebrews as well, you, you need to fellowship with other believers. See, this is the pattern that God has established for us today under the new covenant, right? And that is what all of this that we're reading about in Exodus, it was just a type and a shadow of what was to come or what was to be and where we are now. So verse 9, moving on, says, Then Moses went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. And it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God, and they ate and drank. So they saw God, but God didn't touch them. And nor are we you know, told that they touched God here at all, right? And they, as we see here in verse, um, it says there, they see under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, as it was like the very heavens in its clarity. Um, and I will read to you now from Revelation chapter 4, verse 6, where it's speaking of the throne of God. And it says, before the throne, there was a, a sea of glass like crystal. So is this what they're seeing, a representation of that sea of glass here where they are seeing this paved work of sapphire stone? Or, or is it something else? We, we really don't know. At least I really don't know what they're seeing under the feet of God here. But one thing is for sure, they are seeing God in His glory. Now, Exodus 33, 20, John 1, 18, and 1 John 4, 12, all indicate that it's impossible to see God. But yet on the other hand, Genesis 32, 30 here and, and also here in Exodus 24.10, and also in Exodus 33.23, all tell us of men seeing God. So it must be that seeing God in His unveiled glory, and I do stress His unveiled glory, or His 
that, that that is impossible for mankind to do and to live, to see God in His unveiled glory. But it's obvious from the pages of Scripture that God can and did reveal Himself in His veiled glory. Okay? So, moving on now, verse 12 continues and says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone, and the law and commandments which I have written, that you may teach them. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any of you have difficulty, let him go to them. So here we are seemingly at another point in time where Moses is again going up the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. This time he's taken with him his assistant Joshua. He is leaving Aaron and her behind to tend to the leadership needs of all the people. Now, of course, we know that this Joshua here, this Joshua being spoken of here, will be the one that will end up ultimately leading the Hebrews into their promised land. And we saw back in chapter 17 where Joshua helped Moses in a physical battle. And now here he is helping Moses in a spiritual matter. Now, one thing that you will find out as you continue to read through Exodus is that Aaron and Hur will not do a very good job of overseeing the people in Moses' absence, but we'll leave that for a later study. But verse 15 continues and says, Then Moses went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. So it seems that Joshua went, Joshua went part of the way with Moses, and Moses went further on by himself. Remember, it was only Moses that could actually draw near to God. Okay? Verse 16 says, Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. So as I read that, I think about how for six days, it seems that Moses just sat there waiting on the Lord to speak to him. And I question myself, you know, how many of us have trouble just spending six minutes in prayer or just six minutes waiting on the Lord, right? You know, there are so many scriptural promises regarding waiting on the Lord, and I'd like to show you a few here this morning. Let's mark this page again, and then I'll have you take a look at Psalm 130. Psalm 130. In Psalm 130 and down in verse 5, it says, I wait for the Lord my soul waits, and in His Word I do hope. So 
indeed something that we should be doing is allowing our souls the time to just sit before the Lord, waiting on Him to speak. Now, I know we live in a a microwave society where patience is far from us at times. And I know that we all have busy lives and we, we can come up with some very legitimate excuses, you know, as to why we don't spend the time. But I believe that that would be something that we should repent of, not spending the time with the Lord, right? We really should take the time to, to sit before the Lord, to be still and to know that He is God, to wait on the Lord from within our souls, right? To spend time seeking Him from deep within, listening to the voice of His Spirit that indwells us today, as born-again believers, His Spirit indwells us, right? Now, I'm going to have you go backwards here in the Psalms now to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. And looking down at verses... Um, 13 and 14. The psalmist says here in verse 13, Psalm 27, 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So what the Word of God is showing us here is that we have a hope. We have a future in which we will see the Lord and someday be forever with Him. But we are to wait on the Lord and be of good courage. When we wait on the Lord, we just spend time focusing on the Lord. And when we do, He strengthens our hearts. He strengthens us in our innermost being. You see, to wait on the Lord is to have patience, right? And many will profess that this is what we lack, right? We lack patience sometimes. So again, we can't just blow it off. We need to repent of that, right? We must determine to make time to be diligent, to seek with all of our hearts the word of the Lord. Hebrews 10.36, where I had you earlier, it says down in verse 36 of chapter 10 of Hebrews, For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. So patience, endurance, simply taking the time to be bef- go before the Lord, spending time in His presence. Sometimes we wonder, I know I do, why I have no peace within me on certain days at certain times, right? We wonder why we can't handle turmoil and tribulation that comes along in our lives sometimes. And could it be that we're not waiting on the Lord? Could it be that we're not spending time in our souls before the Lord? Could it be that we lack the endurance necessary for the struggles of this life? Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. 
See, we can pray without ceasing. We can pray to the Lord when we're working, when we're doing whatever we're doing, right? We need to rejoice in hope. We need to be patient in tribulation as we go through difficult times in life, and all of us do. But we need to be constant in prayer, right? So if there is an edification today within this teaching that I'm giving to you this morning, it is that I encourage you and also myself to be sure to spend time before the Lord, just waiting on on the Lord, allowing your soul to be still, taking the time to turn off everything around you, the television, the radio, your phone, your business life, whatever's going on, right? And just find a way to get away before the Lord and to be still and to know that He is God because your heart will be strengthened when you do. It's a promise of the Word that we just read. Our hearts will be strengthened. So as we flip back now to Exodus chapter 24, we see Moses waiting six days on the Lord. And then the Lord appeared to Moses. And in verse 17, it says, in Exodus 24, 17, the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. So the people went, the people down below were looking up, and to them they could just see a consuming fire on top of the mountain. And you know, as you spend time waiting on the Lord, it will be noticed by others around you. It'll have an impact on people around you. They will see that the Lord consumes you. They will know that you have spent time in His presence because you can't be in the Lord's presence without being affected by it. If you don't draw near to the Lord, and Christianity to you is nothing more than a spectator sport, well then, you will just be one of the crowd down below missing out on the glory of God. And the crowd down below, while Moses is is gone for 40 days, they're going to fall into sin, right? So we don't have to do that today, right? But we will fall into sin today as well if we're not waiting on the Lord, if we're not spending time with the Lord, spending time in His presence. That's why it's important that we fellowship with one another and that we stir one another up to good works and that we take time like this. But this is such a brief period of time that we gather here on Sunday mornings. We cannot expect to be spiritually strong all week based on just what little we can do here, the little bit we can look at the Word here, right? It's necessary that we take the time to stay focused and have a time of prayer, okay? And remember, as a result of the blood of Christ, we can now come boldly before the throne of God. We have direct access because of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we don't need to go anywhere but to a mirror to find out who's to blame for our lack of peace in our lives, for our lack of contentment. We don't have to go much further than the mirror to find out who's to blame. Because 
Jesus said he leaves his peace with us. He'll give his peace to us, right? But we also must remember that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the question for all of us this morning, I believe, is are we diligently seeking the Lord? Is there a a diligence in our lives where we're actually focused on seeking the Lord and spending time before him? Because like I said, we, we can't wonder. I mean, no one's to blame when life gets chaotic if we're not spending time before the Lord and strengthening ourselves in his presence and taking time for our soul to just wait on the Lord and be before him. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the exhortation that your word brings us, Lord. Lord, we can be just like the children of Israel who profess with their mouths that they will do what the word says. They will do what God commands them, and we can be just like that. But yet we can fall so short in the actual doing of it, God. God, you don't condemn us. You did not send your son into the world to condemn the world. You sent your son into the world that we might be saved, God. And you desire that we would walk with you, that that we would know your presence within us, that you would indwell us by your Holy Spirit. But God, again, often it's us that, that, that falls so short. We get our eyes off of you. And we just need to take the time to, to settle down each and every day and, and spend some moments with you, just fixed on you with our souls laid bare before you. I pray, God, that you would do your work within our hearts, within our minds, that we would be renewed in the spirit of our minds and that we would desire to seek you in this life and to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. God, you are our provider. You have given us all that we need for a life of godliness, Lord. You've given us everything we need in Christ Jesus. God, again, it's just us that that needs to be refocused, and we need to fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus, for you are the author and the finisher of our faith. It all starts with you. It will all end with you. We will be before you someday, bowing our knee unto you. So let your spirit rule and reign, and as we go forth into this new week, Lord, may we, may we do so in a refocused manner, Lord, where we'll be determined now to seek you more. So thank you for this brief time again together this morning. We pray your will to be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Short little chapter.